0: Good evening everyone. Uh, thank you so much for coming. My name is Reginald Harris. I'd like to welcome you to the Pratt Library. I welcome you back to the Pratt Library. Hey. Um, it's good to see you um, this is part of our uh, series of programs of, with authors and various events and uh, I want to uh, point out our lovely compass over there on the table uh, please feel free to pick those up and also mention two things uh, that are coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks back to back we have Accio Bejas and Robert Aurel- um two authors with uh, novels about Cuba coming on March the 23rd and then the next day Robert Roper talking about Walt Whitman and his brothers and their um, lives during the Civil War. That's uh, March 24th so please be sure to come with that. Um, It's a great pleasure tonight to welcome Peter Schechter to the Pratt Library to talk about his new novel Pipeline. Uh, A new president and his young White House staff face a national crisis. California on the brink of disaster, a saber-rattling Russia using its natural gas reserves as a weapon. While these may sound like headlines from recent month's news, they are in fact elements of Peter Schecter's gripping new thriller, Pipeline. Uh, they He's the realism of his book um, will keep you turning pages and also keep you up at night worrying that it could all come true. Um, you did almost too good a job, unfortunately, here. Uh, ranging from Moscow and Lima, uh, Peru, to the Oval Office and a maximum security prison in Sacramento, a uh, pipeline of message readers and a tale of a new Cold War fueled by our dependence on foreign oil, and uh, one of our experts on energy, Texas oil man T. Boone Pickens, who we all know from his commercials, if nothing else, says Pipeline is a work of fiction, but not by much. Um, another mystery, and one we hope that uh, Peter will grace us with solving a little bit tonight, is how he manages to do everything that he does. He's an author, a blogger, a restaurateur, farmer with 60 goats, three donkeys, three llamas, and two horses a winemaker, uh, winemaker, husband, and father of two daughters. In addition to that, he, like most writers, they tell you don't quit your day job. He does have a day job as well, uh, running a 50-person political consulting firm as one of the founding partners of Schoepleck, Leonard, Stechter and Associates in Washington, D.C., advising politicians, foreign companies, corporations in trouble, and organizations wanting to change the political dynamic here in the United States. His Inside the Beltway and International Experience show in a level of detail and disturbing plausibility of his thrillers, both his first point of entry and now Pipeline. As Brian Kelly, editor of the U.S. News and World Report, has written, Peter Schechter knows the way the world works and how it can go dangerously wrong. And he is here to tell us how it goes wrong in Pipeline, ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schechter.
1: Hello, everybody. Good evening. I'm very pleased to be back in Baltimore. I, uh, I studied in Baltimore a number of years ago, a number, a number, a number of years ago. Um, before Baltimore became a tourist hub and had all these beautiful things built downtown, that's when I was here. And then I left, and then they decided to, to uh, beautify the downtown area. So uh, we always come back with uh, Rosa and I. My wife is here with me, Rosa, and we always come back. Uh, with the kids and take them around and show them the new Baltimore. So it's a pleasure It's a pleasure to be here. I'm not a professional author, uh, as you heard from Reggie's very too-kind introduction. I'm not a professional author, so I don't have a set shtick um, when I do my book presentations. And I will confess to you that this is my very first library presentation, uh, so I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do. But I'll tell you one thing. I don't think that with thrillers... It really works terribly well for me to k- take out the book and start reading to you certain passages. So um, what, I, what I thought that I would do is just to give you some thoughts about um, why in heaven's name, a guy who runs a 50-person firm um, and who has a number of other things going on in his life, why I suddenly decided to add something like writing a book to my own life and then I thought I'd tell you a little bit about why this book's what this book's about and um, why I think it's relevant to a lot of the things that are happening in the world today. So that sounds like a plan. Um, you know, I for a long time knew I wanted to write an exciting novel. I wanted to write a thriller. But the big question was, could I write a thriller? I am. Uh, I am. Uh, this. This. My. The first book I wrote, uh, which is called uh, Point of Entry. And though I promised my daughter that this book, the second book, would be called Point of Exit, I, um, I, I broke my promise. Um, uh, you know, it was my f- that, that book was my first experience with no bosses, no deadlines, no clients, no partners, no colleagues, no people breathing down my neck and saying, you know, you, I need this by close of business today. It was just me against a blank computer screen. Looking at it, no clear direction, and with really, I didn't know, you know, there was no pressure. There was nobody saying to me that I had to do this by a certain time. And let me tell you, that was a very scary thing for a type A personality like my own. So, um, um, you know, th- that's a little bit, I-, I wanted to see if I could do it, and Point of Entry went very well. I was kind enough, the people were kind enough to give it uh, good reviews. And, and so my second novel, um, you know, came out. As I as I looked at the world and I thought, you know, what are the big issues coming confronting the world? And clearly, energy is going to be the issue that my own children are going to be dealing with um, over the next over their lifetime. And second novels, I will tell you, as I started writing it, I sort of researched a little bit into what authors said about second novels in general, and I will tell you that second novels are notoriously. Harder to write than first ones. And Pipeline was no exception. You know, the bar was suddenly raised because suddenly, in your first book, you're a first-time, happy-go-lucky author. You don't know what's right. You don't know what's wrong. You're basically winging it, seeing if it goes well. the second book, you've been told by your editor what he liked and didn't like in your first book. And so you're trying, the bar has been raised, and the happy-go-lucky first-time author is suddenly now slightly more professional at this, um, and so you, you, it's, 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 more, it's somewhat more suffering. But I'll tell you that it still is an enormous pleasure to write. It's an enormous pleasure, and it's enormously fun to write. Because one of the most exciting things about writing is that there are surprises even for the author. Um, surprises that you never know are coming. I will tell you that I didn't know one of my characters. There's a dad of the main character. A dad shows up. And he suddenly is very courageous and brave and really resolves a problem for the, for the main character. Now, I didn't know the dad would exist until 20 minutes before he showed up in my brain. And so it, it's, a, it's an amazing process as you go, how do I resolve the problem? How do I get this plot one step further? Let's invent a dad. And suddenly this dad came out who is, uh, he, he's German, he lives in Frankfurt, so on and so forth. And, and, uh, and that is really what is enormously fun. Killings that pop up from one minute to the next that uh, I didn't know uh, this person would be murdered. So that, it still is, it still is uh, that, that is really fundamentally what is enormously, enormously fun about writing. Now let's talk a little bit about the book and uh, the few thoughts of, of, about substance. Whoa, let me put this here. Um, for those of you who've not yet read it, and that is everybody in this room except my wife, um, I will give you a 30-second preview of what it's about. The book ricochets between Russia and Lima, Peru, and Washington, DC, and about the fight for access to natural gas. Natural gas is going to be the fuel of the future. And natural gas is the last stop in the fossil fuel line before we move entirely to, to renewable energies. It is a cheaper gas. It is a cheaper fossil fuel. It is a cleaner burning fossil fuel. And it, it, the world is going to start moving to natural gas. And you can see it already. Just asked T. Boone Pickens. He's uh, telling us every day on television about the move to natural gas. Now, a big bad Russian gas company... Is plotting to secretly take over the natural gas fields in the western, the biggest natural gas fields in the western hemisphere, which are located in Peru. And once they do that, once they take over those gas fields, Russia will control the world trade in natural gas through pipelines to Europe and through shipping to the United States from from Peru. And Um, how America is trapped by this and how America, which is in crisis and an economic crisis, becomes ensnared in Russia's plan and how, how one young Hispanic White House advisor solves this problem and gets America out of this trap is fundamentally what pipeline is all about. Now, you know, I think that the, those are a little bit, the, that, that's the plot. But the book is really fundamentally about some of the most pressing issues of our time and the pressing issues, as I said, of our children's time. It's about energy. And if you just think of it, most of our transportation, our electricity, our heating, our manufacturing, our factory outputs all depend on fuel sources from an increasingly nasty world. America's energy dependence in the last 10 years has risen from 28% of imported fuel to over 70% last year of imported fuel. Our dependence is growing every day on import on people who do not like us, who do not want to do us good, who sell us their who sell us their energy but who have no particular interest in our welfare. And this is a recipe for disaster. Now, it's something that the New York Times columnist Tom Friedman has been banging his, his, uh, his bully pulpit about for many, many years, and he's called it a geo-green strategy. And that means that we have to reduce our energy dependence not only for environmental reasons, though that is reason enough, but we need to reduce our energy dependence also for the good of our own national security. And unless we do that, unless we start doing that now, our options to deal with shortages and boycotts and a growing need for power generation are going to be severely curtailed. The third thing about the third part of substance of the book is i 've been gratified that I managed to pick up the newspapers every day and somehow I got my crystal ball right and in those in those daily newspapers, I find the plots of pipeline the pipeline 's plot reflected in the front pages of of uh, of the newspaper. Um, the book is about russia 's aggressive resurgence. And if you look at the front pages in the last couple of months, just six weeks ago, Russia blocked the flow of natural gas to the Ukraine in probably the coldest moment of of Europe's winter. And that natural gas blockage basically froze out churches and homes and schools as far away as Frankfurt, Germany. It also, Russia, also as part of its aggressive resurgence, last summer waged an invasion against a very small neighbor, the Republic of Georgia, and so a lot of people are very concerned about what, how Russia is using its rich fuel, um, its fuel richness, and how it will, and how will it, uh, will it move forward in foreign policy, uh, in a way that is somewhat more integrated with the world and not as aggressive. The book is also about the sharp debate between environmental hopes and energy needs. You'll remember all through the campaign the screams of certain people in the Republican Party who were screaming, drill, baby, drill. And uh, it really encompasses everything the book's about. I mean, do we drill, baby, drill, or do we try to find another solution for our energy dependence? Now, one thing I do want to say is I finished this book in May of 2008, and in September of 2008, in late August of 2008, um, Governor Sarah Palin appeared on the national political scene. However, my CIA director is a very sexy, very tough, very mean Alaskan politician whose name is Martha Rollins, and she came first. Pipeline also obviously zeroes in on the on the global race to secure natural gas, and that you can see that every day in T-Boon, in what Tibun Pickens and as I said, uh, and as he says, it is the last fossil fuel that we will use before we all move to much more renewable energies such as wind and solar and battery, et cetera, et cetera. Now, looking looking back on on uh, on uh, the, my own my own last 20 years of professional life. Um, I will tell you that the book is also about the psychoanalytical response of the frustrations of a political consultant. You know, I've spent a good part of my life trying to advise politicians on what to say, what to do, how to run campaigns. Should they run them? Uh, should they run them one way? Should they run them? An- should they run them another way? I, w- what are the fundamental messages? Um, and you know, I've won some, and I've lost some. And I found that politicians sometimes listen to you and sometimes they don't listen to you. But this book fixes my problems once and for all. Because finally, finally, in President Gene Lawrence, in Presidential Advisor Tony Ruiz, in Peruvian Senator Luis Mata, and all my main characters, thank God I finally found some politicians are going to listen to me. (laughs) So... You know they do exactly what I want. They deliver the speeches in exactly the right way. They, they believe my polling results. They, be, you know, they really finally will listen to me, and that is enormously uh, gratifying. You know, they, these guys will recognize a good written speech um, when they see it. So, you know, in 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 closing, I would just say that to be to be. To be serious for a moment, my own my own professional life has permitted me um, uh, the great honor of being in in rooms when I probably should have been kicked out. I've seen how politicians um, make decisions. I see how they figure out which hands to shake and which arms to twist. Um, and I've had for many many foreign clients, foreign political leaders who've allowed me in when a foreigner should never have been in the room, um, and have had me around to listen as they made decisions about their own relations with the United States, about their own way, about, uh, some of the major political things, the decisions that they're, that they're involved with. So, um, that the The way I describe political decisions in the book, the way I describe the Kremlin or the Peruvian Senate or what happens in the White House, is really the benefit of some of the the impressive people that i 've had the opportunity to meet and work for throughout my life and i 've tried to sort of use many of their own things lessons that they 've taught to me um, to, uh, to and i 've sort of tried to deliver and echo many of those um, in the book um, the um, I ended on a personal note. My uh, my um, my mother passed away last April, and um, she still was around to read the book, and uh, she gave me a very passing review, which um, uh, whatever the New York uh, Review of Books or whatever sophisticated publication may say will still be the review that I treasure the most, and uh and uh, you know my wife Rosa, who is the who is the best editor around. She's an avid reader. Last year, she read uh, nine or ten books. It's uh, a pity that they were always the same one over and over again, um, as she as she read various drafts of Pipeline. That's a little bit my story. That's a little bit what the story of Pipelines about. I'm delighted to chat. Great. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.